0: Welcome to another edition of the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you normally listen to a podcast. My name is Frank Barker, the Head of Marketing at Azo Network, where you can also subscribe. I'm joined by my guest this week, who is an expert in data analysis, coupled with organic and paid search. He's currently our Head of Paid Search here at Azo Network. Welcome, Matt Rafti. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Frank. It's great to speak to you again. How have you seen that businesses have reacted um, given the current uh, lockdown and the current social distancing?
1: What we've seen from a digital perspective, for me anyway, is that people are now asking more of us to work out, right, now we're having this break in manufacturing. We actually don't have or can't put through any new orders. So how are we going to address this internally? And then when we're when they've opened back up again, we can now work at a much more precise level um and work out exactly what marketing spend is being put into which product and it's essentially just been allowed people to streamline their marketing and advertising spend and play it off perfectly against what their sales people are coming through from the general public and from essentially their their usual customers but it has also been really positive for a lot of already slightly digitally focused uh, marketing managers, forcing them into the light, essentially, and uh, making their digital presence bigger and out of the industrial revolution into the digital revolution.
0: Yeah, I think, well, we've definitely seen that. Um, People being given the kick out the door, they might have been sort of experimenting with video conferencing or webinars or podcasts even, and now they just had to, they basically had to take the plunge and and make the, the leap of faith. So, have you seen a, a pullback or a doubling down um, of the um, of people when it comes to their like paid search spends? So, really, a lot of things have continued as normal. If people
1: aren't searching for the terms and people aren't clicking, it's not going to cost you as much. So, sort of, you have a, a mini win there. And if you have a lower volume of traffic, you can't to uh, remarket to as many people. And so, if you have got the sensible limits and targets set up in remarketing, it's not going to cost as much there either. So there's not actually that much to change, just increasing your tactical awareness of what's going on around you and making sure when everything kicks back up, you've not been left behind because you've put things on pause as opposed to just slowly increasing your knowledge base
0: and working out exactly what part of the market you're going to target next. Okay, fantastic. So what would you say are the main objectives um, that clients have when they're using Google Ads? The ideal client for me
1: focusing on a, a fine balance of impressions, clicks, cost, conversion. Um, where, and you go on, you can dial in the language and the behavior of your audience. So you can decrease your cost and increase conversions. So you get that increase in CTR and decrease in impressions, but you get a better impression share for your ideal user and who you actually see as a
0: uh, a possible target. Fantastic to get straight into the weeds with it. Um, and well, I know that you, you you advise us and you you implement our um, paid search strategies. And uh, one of the things that I really really do appreciate is is when we get sort of the high value traffic. Um, we're not too bothered if the high value traffic converts in the first instance, because we know that that would be that will be attributed to it at a later date. We we might say, say spend you know, $200 on a campaign on LinkedIn to to bring in traffic. And then it's it's more of a cheaper sort of remarketing from, from a Google Ads perspective. Um, okay, so tell us about a typical case study or a customer and the journey that they'll go through when they enter the paid search strategy.
1: Would you ask them what their overall marketing goals are and their strategy within that if they've got a concrete path and then we can work out along with them, how they can use Google Ads to be most effective in that uh, strategy. So when we've got that done, we'll then go and do some research into the areas they want to target and an effective way to target areas. And we can suggest some ideal landing pages from their existing site or maybe adding an extra landing page if they know, right, this is my exact customer, this is what they always look for, and they don't have that page ready. Well, then that's the exact right time to produce a landing page that's going to be great organically and it's going to be fantastic on the ads. Um, once, once that's all done, we'll then set everything live and monitor the performance of Google Ads and the site's overall performance as well. And from there, we can start improving the campaigns and working on that conversion rate optimization that everybody loves.
0: Okay. So what you, you mentioned conversion rate optimization. Please just explain to us what what that means. So a very simple way to do this yourself is to
1: outline what you see as the ideal pathway and that you'd like your customers to take, and then what steps can be missed, and then look at what pathway people who are converting are taking, and then analyze what the disconnect is between the pathway that you have set up in, in your mind, on paper, wherever, and then the pathway that's actually happening. So, from there, we've already said you can look at A B testing. And a great tool for that is Google Optimize. And it's very useful if you set up like analytics, Tag Manager, and Google Ads, as they can all connect with each other. And as you'd expect, there's like a massive help network out there if you do run into problems with any part of it. I've personally used uh, that one for analyzing form fill dropouts on audiences and working out why certain pages have got a lot lower click through rate to the form in question
0: you mentioned form fill and google optimize there. T- tell us a bit more about form fill dropouts what what do you do what sort of analysis do you do you take there everyone hopefully will have heard
1: of some sort of form fill dropout or user bounce rates or dropping off the face of the earth whatever type of dropout so this is where i'd look at using google optimize It's a very very good starting point to get into the whole world of conversion rate optimization and site optimization as a whole I mean, if nothing else, you can actually just use to prove a point. You think the color of your CTA should be blue, or it should be in a different part of your website, or it should be on a different uh, page section, so it should be above the fold, it should be on the, the right-hand side, it should be on the left-hand side. So then you can do a, a split test or a combination of the two, so you can change the color and change the location. And then if you've got enough possible experiment subjects, you can test it out. And, I mean, the, the only downside is if you're wrong, the data shows that, you you then can't go back on your words.
0: There you go. So how does remarketing compare to normal paid search? So
1: for remarketing compared to a a normal paid search, it's relatively cheap. And if you've set up your paid search correctly, you know that your audience there waiting to be remarketed to is already interested in your products or services. And it will hopefully have a higher conversion rate than your standard search campaign. And it's pretty simple to set up. And uh, I'd say it's one of the key foundations of using Google ads is for getting that remarketing.
0: And of course, excellent for staying, you know, increasing that brand awareness, staying top of mind, um, because, you know, it's once someone's found you, they're not necessarily going to buy straight away, but you know, if they see you sort of five, six, seven, ten, twenty 10, 20 times or whatever, that's the kind of. Always being there, or always being sort of top of mind when when people are searching for things.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then striking that fine balance with being there but not being too annoying.
0: Yeah, a fine tightrope to walk for any marketer. Now, what is the benefit of hooking up uh, your Google Ads uh, along with your Google Analytics? What, what do you, what sort of efficiencies, what does that allow you to do as a marketer?
1: Google Analytics doesn't remove fraudulent clicks. From Google Ads, whereas in Google Ads, when you view them there, those fraudulent clicks aren't there. Say, if someone's clicked on your ad apparently 6,000 times in 20 seconds, uh, we all know it's going to be a bot, and Google Ads just removes that there, but then in Google Analytics, it'll still show up. So, yeah, if you, if you see something like that, have a have a check on your Google Ads to make sure that you've not accidentally increased your budget from £10 to £10,000, uh, but generally it's okay. Um, Another great thing is you can view your pathways, your conversion pathways. So what we talked about with the conversion rate optimization, you can have a look at them and work out when your paid audience fails on when they click through your site. And then you can use that to link to optimize or other conversion rate optimization software and reconnect your user to become a customer using it when you connect it to Search Console. So this is this is me just listing like the multi-tool version of Google Analytics. Yeah, there's loads and loads of connections. It's great. Um, so when you've connected it to Search Console, you can pick up on queries um, from different acquisition sources and address these in Google Ads to see if you've missed anything. So it means you can look at, say, your organic search queries that people have been allowed to view through Search Console access, compare it to what you're getting on your Google Ads queries and say, Wait a minute! All my really high-quality leads are coming through organic, and they're using this query. Why am I not bidding on this in Google Ads? I could have more, another bite of the cherry, as it were.
0: Yeah. Well, what was it you, we, we, that you showed me the other day? It was attribute. Was it attribution modeling where it wasn't necessarily. Sh- the what the um the click or the conversion would have been attributed to, but it did have a like an assisted conversion, was it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Assisted
1: conversions. They are really, really useful to be able to say, great, this is where all of my users have been clicking to when you've got um, say, an impressions based campaign and you just want to be seen by a lot of people who then come, come at it later on directly or back to you organic and you say, well, look, I did spend a thousand dollars on this visibility campaign but actually what happened from there was they all then came back two weeks three weeks four weeks later and came through directly or organically or from any other method and actually converted so you can see that them seeing that ad and then clicking on that but not converting that day assisted in the conversion when they later came back
0: I suppose only one click might get recorded in the CRM, unless you've got multi-touch point um, attribution modeling uh, set up, which is is a, a bit more advanced. But um, it does help. Certainly at the Google Analytics level, that you you're able to then you know, you're able to say that this ca- campaign X has actually that's great for generating those first those first clicks or, or those those unique visits. But it might not necessarily convert directly. Okay, so. Moving on, what are the most effective PPC ca- campaigns which you've seen uh, that have worked? So generally
1: speaking, the most effective ones are where the paid search or overall marketing manager of it sticks to the goal that they initially set and keeps an eye on how it fits in with the overall plan. There's there's no point getting too granular with the Google Ads and then forgetting that Google Ads is actually only one arm of an overall marketing plan. Personally, I was like a three-pronged attack a a very precise search campaign, a behavioral-based remarketing campaign, and then a visibility campaign on specific placement websites. Within that, I can use scripts to monitor the the search campaign, work out am I I hitting the right audience um, on the placement websites. Well, man, have we got too many impressions and not enough conversions? Well, then we'll just pause that placement. Um, And then within the remarketing, you can then have a look at how your audience is behaving on analytics and then make those changes there. And so it just makes it more manageable and you can filter out the noise. So when we've done that, you can actually really easily link it into conversion rate optimization. So you can improve the organic SEO of the site, and that will improve your landing page quality, as well as your user experience, and your rankings within the SERPs, and then your position within the paid search auction. And so you should never neglect this, and primarily the point of – pointing the finger of blame back at yourself when your ideal user doesn't convert. As chances are, the, you're the problem with it. You, you were unable to see or you were unwilling to see that just paying more money isn't for a certain keyword isn't going to change the type of page that you're on, the site itself, or the auction that you're in, or if the paid landscape or organic landscape changes.
0: Yeah, okay. So, but what are the most common mistakes that you see businesses making? So the most common one is click and forget.
1: So you've, you've identified your search criteria you'd like to be found for, and you, you, you've you got the visuals down to a T, your remarketing seems to be going perfectly, and you think, that's it, perfect, it's done. But no, yeah, it's, it's always far from done. <laughs> Google likes to mess around with it. It's a product of search for your SERPs, so they can always quickly change. We've just had another Google algorithm update. Um, I think it was yesterday, but, you know, losing track of the days as, as usual. Um, but a, a great example is uh, RBF. So not RBS, RBF. This is actually a scientific term. Well, in scientific terms, it means renal blood flow or riboflavin. However, when you actually search for this, or in fact, RBF science or RBF science. Can I guess?
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it. Have a go. Resting bitch face. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: you got it. You got it right there. So as you can imagine, before that term came in, it was all about renal blood flow and some really in-depth science research. It was about riboflavin and actually showing you the structure of it. But but now it's uh, mainly pictures of Anna Kendrick. Yeah, Pitch Perfect. What a film. Yeah, classic, great film. (laughs) So uh, I mean, when when this happens, it's quite a small error. um, But if you're running that keyword in an ad group with related keywords, so you're looking at that and it's, uh, it then feeds through into remarketing. So that'll th- throw out your data sets and your models. And your visuals now look weird because they're appearing for people who are searching for resting bitch face as opposed to riboflavin. So it's now on the wrong content. And now you're spending money on people clicking on your adverts accidentally, often as you do with, like mobile games and sidebars and websites which pop up. And y- you need to be aware of the world around you changing without you being aware of the changes. So you need to adapt to it and review your keywords and making sure that when you do set up keywords and acronyms like that, that the meaning of the acronym in everyday society doesn't change. So you don't just click on it and forget it.
0: Yeah. I think symptomatic of the, just the advanced mar- MarTech landscape that we we live in nowadays is that you, you've just got to stay on top of stuff. And, uh, I can't believe I've just admitted to uh, pitch perfect, or at least knowing pitch perfect on uh, live on air. Well, I might have to edit that bit out. Maybe not. I'm, I'm, secretly, I'm secretly proud of it. The cup song, it's a great song. Um, oh, fantastic. So moving on. Um, what about horror stories? And yeah, uh, any real shockers that you've you've seen there, or so anecdotally? Obviously, spare spare anyone's blushes, but uh, can you tell us any any horror stories there?
1: Well, I mean, the, the previous previous one is from uh, real-life experience. Um, so that is a bit of a horror story itself. And uh, the easiest horror stories to relay are often just like the simple mistakes. You don't think about your worldwide call-only adverts, don't have any answer phones attached to them or automated systems connected, and then a timetable for when these ads will appear. So what ends up happening is that people from all over the world will call you and it just disconnects them. Uh, Another great one is you have your conversion set as a landing page uh, as the contact page. So not the contact conversion page, but actually people just hitting that contact page. And then you add one of your ad extensions as a contact as link. So technically now what you're paying for is a conversion every time someone clicks that extension. So, again, this is wildly misleading for your conversion data because you think, oh, fantastic, last night, what came in overnight? Oh, brilliant, 50 conversions. No, it's just 50 people clicking on the extension. Um, And, again, this can be done quite easily when you think you've imported your goals, when you've linked them into analytics, and then you set them up again when you're tracked in AdWords. And so now it, it records one form fill or purchase twice, so once on Analytics, once on AdWords, and now it looks like you've got twice as many goals as you have. So it's massively inflates your numbers that can cause further calamity when you pair it with uh, conversion uh, optimization. So you're going to say, right, we're going to go with maximise conversions on this automated bidding strategy. And it just looks at what happens. So it's like every time we show this extension, it counts as a conversion, right? We'll always show this extension. Perfect. Because now that's counted once oh no wait we've actually linked up on google ads analytics and have not turned one off like that's counting it twice so you've got a huge chain of events that can really link up and yeah of some real horror very very quickly
0: yeah i can imagine You you mentioned google ad extensions there I do remember uh, being part, we produced the, the video on the various different Google ad extensions. I'm just racking my brain now trying to remember what they were, but could you just for the listeners, could you give us a um, a, a brief overview of, of the Google ad extensions and, and what what they ultimately do? Um, it's quite intricate. I find it's often like a, a rabbit warren that when you jump down into uh, into Google ad extensions, it's easy to get lost.
1: So yeah, Google ad extensions. So they just encourage people to visit your business by showing you extra business details. Really about about your company. So you get a call extensions, so you can just add your phone number in there. Message extensions, so if people want to send a message to the business directly. Site link, so that's what I talked about earlier, where you can add that. Um, It'll tag directly to the contactors page. So you can. I, I like to put in the FAQs, a blog, and a contactors. So the blog's really useful if you want to uh, get people to view your content before buying it. Um, FAQs, so this actually will save you a lot of time and effort with uh, needless contacts. And uh, if you've got maximized conversions or an automated bidding strategy set up, this means that you're not going to get a lot of extra conversions that technically are pretty low value and are probably going to cost you quite a lot.
0: Yeah, so would you go? Would you go more top of funnel content, sort of general awareness style stuff, or would you go more sort of commercial and bottom of funnel content using the ad extension? Or um, well, I mean, that's the benefit of the ad extensions—you can hit all of those.
1: So you can actually approach it from the direct contact. You can approach it from an educational section, and you can approach it from a structured like structured snippet section. So just an extra bit of information about
0: your business for those searching for those products. All right, fantastic. So, moving on, um, I think we've probably all heard about the uh, cookie legislation that's coming up in 2022, I think it is. Can you just describe uh, or briefly outline it and how that's going to impact PPC advertising? What What does that mean to like the lay marketer? As soon as you get into remarketing
1: and behavioral-based tracking um, and, and using ads that have that, you're going to end up in like, a real world of pain. Um, I mean there's all the impact that GDPR has had on the advertising industry. And this is a knock on effect from that. So it's just ensuring that Google are even more compliant from their side of things, because, uh, I mean, understandably, there are not a lot of Google fans out there in the legal, legal world. Um, and I think it's, yeah, in terms of basic advertising, it's not going to do much, but as soon as you get into more technical advertising and remarketing and well, as we know, cookie-based marketing, it's going to kill it. If you've not got any cookies and you can't advertise using cookies, how is it going to be used to remarket to people that have viewed certain pages? Because that's a cookie. Just when you come onto there and you say, well, I want that person who visited this page, I want them to see it again. Well, they've been cookied there. So once that's gone, they can't see it again. So they are going to I mean, you, you've seen the effects in Mozilla and Safari as they don't really have them. I think you've got them for 24 hours, I think, in Safari. I'm not a not a big Apple knowledge base, so I don't really know much about that, unfortunately. But yeah, they've, they've killed them, so there's not great
0: there. So how do you think the PPC industry will react? Um, what will this mean for advertisers? Uh, pretty bad for advertisers themselves, but... Possibly
1: quite good for publishers if they've been able to tag their site effectively uh, on the content that they provide and have got a good organic footprint and direct users already. It'll, it means that the advertisers are going to have to push towards more outbound marketing, we have a lot of customized email and newsletter campaigns, and improve their organic standing, like the EAT, EAT style protocols that have been in place, but all over the web, whatever um, search engine you're using. Um, I, I think it's. In essence, it's going to help good publishers and punish bad publishers. So all the publishers that make 90% of their money off just connecting themselves to um, the Google um, networks and haven't tagged their content properly or just wiping out people's spends, they're going to be really negatively affected from it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So well-tagged content ties in with good user experience. But what, what, what will happen to pro- programmatic advertising and those kind of agencies?
1: Well, possibly programmatic advertising will be dead in the water. Um, if your agency only uses uh, programmatic advertising and has got no sites, no other options, um, I think maybe jump ship or make an acquisition of a site that you can use to sell advertising, on using your own website analytics and internal behavioral analytics. So you you might end up seeing some sort of broker-style thing, a bit bit like AdSense again um, there. So people are going to have to approach maybe someone who owns a series of websites and ask, well, I need to reach these users, this style. What what ad space have you got? When can I run those?
0: Yeah. Can you think of anyone who... who owns owns any of those sorts of audiences and i mean
1: i i'd be loath <laughs> to self-promote but uh yeah a <laughs> network definitely has up its sleeve uh, quite a few different websites
0: one or two audiences yeah to say the least all right so but talking about sleeve what do you think google have up their sleeve um and how are they gonna you know you know they're not just making this call just for the uh, for the good of privacy and the online community how do you think they're going
1: to react It will force people to go to other more expensive forms of advertising, as we've seen with a a search. It can be incredibly expensive. And then it will force people to go to independent websites where they'll charge what they want. Um, But again, it'd probably be happier about that because it will have washed its hands of being and might be close to untouchable on the GDPR front from removing the sketchy third-party tracking from its books and, and cleaning that out of Chrome.
0: All right, excellent. Uh, I think that's a good note on which to leave things. Matt, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on and sharing your experience today.
1: It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you very much, Frank.
0: For anyone who would like to find out more about the Google Ads subject matter, which we have covered today, there is a ton of Matt's own blog pieces and how-to videos available on the episode link. Well worth checking out. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and rate us in iTunes and Spotify or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. If you have a question or subject area which you would like us to address, please reach out at azonetwork.com. Join us next week where we will be talking marketing life sciences and clinical diagnostics with Deborah Harsh, CEO of Brandwidth Solutions. Thanks for listening.